Thank you. Greetings from Brother Edwin Allensbach as well. Right, I should have announced that as well. We plan to be in Strasbourg Road because it's also the area sing next weekend. So the long weekend area sing will be held in Strasbourg Road. I believe it starts at 6.30. Is that correct, Sister Claudia? I can never remember if it's 6 or 6.30. Stay tuned. It's earlier than normal uh, in Strasbourg Road. So that's all the announcements that we have. Let's bow our heads now as we look to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father and Lord God, we thank thee for the opportunity we have this morning to gather in thy house of, of worship and of prayer. We turn to thee because we know as a good father, thou dost delight in giving good things to thy children who ask thee. And so, Heavenly Father, we come before thee as needy paupers, as, as impoverished children looking for, uh, for food, spiritual food, thirsting after the living waters, Heavenly Father, and most importantly, looking for thy warm embrace and the comfort of thy presence. And so, Heavenly Father, as we would gather our hearts now around thy word, we ask that thou wouldst be with us here in our midst, that as we would look into thy word, that thou wouldst bless the hearts of each one who's gathered here this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This past week was our Vacation Bible School here at church, and Lord willing, at the end of the service, there's going to be a short program by the children to, um, uh, to share what they learned. And uh, one of the themes was the parables of, of Christ. And so for this morning's meditation, uh, I'd like to read from the 10th chapter of John's Gospel. John chapter 10, beginning with the first verse. John 10, beginning with verse 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. 
But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I, I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. I've read until the 18th verse. Let's kneel for prayer. Dear Father in heaven, as we bow before thee this morning hour, we call unto thee as sheep, as the sheep of thy pasture that need the hand of the shepherd, that need the presence, need the protection, the guidance of that shepherd, the one shepherd of the flock. Oh, dear Father, there are many dangers that are looking around us and we're too dumb to even realize it so many times. Silly sheep that we are, we often wonder, we often expose ourselves, we often put ourselves in danger because we wander from the flock. Dear Father, this morning we want to come under the, the hearing, the correcting rod of the shepherd, the loving embrace, the one who knows us and knows what we need and will check us over, will examine us and see where we're hurting where we need that loving attention, that loving correction, the, the food, the drink, the clear, cool water. Dear Father, we, the sheep of thy pasture, need so desperately this protection. Where would we be? We think of these words that were uttered thousands of years ago and those that heard it didn't understand. Dear Father, and. We think we understand, dear Father, help us to understand more in our own lives. To understand and take these words in. To see in these simple stories, these simple truths from thy word, that the eternal truth, what life is really all about, what we should be focused on, where we should be going, what we should be doing. Dear Father, sheep, all of this creation, this physical creation, it was created because of thy wisdom and thy, thy power. And, and these are all things pointing back to thee. All pointing to a deeper truth, an eternal truth. When sheep will be no more and, and, and this earth will pass away and, and our physical bodies will be gone, dear Father. These eternal things will remain. And what we do now, how we behave now, whether we listen to the the, the voice, whether we hear the voice of our master and respond, this will determine eternity for us. Dear Father, we're so thankful we have these words preserved. 
that those that heard them, even though they didn't fully understand them, or those that heard them and rejected them, did not prevent these words from being spoken to us today. That they are preserved, that they recorded, that these are the words of Jesus Christ, the Lord of the universe, the one by whom all things were created. Dear Father, we ask that thou wouldst draw many more those that need to become part of thy fold. Dear Father, there are so many that are lost and that are hurting. This morning hour, help them to hear the voice of salvation, the voice of rescue as they realize how ensnared they are and how caught they are and how helpless they are. Dear Father, we pray for those that have been uh, in thy fold and, and trusting thee for many years and are in dark places or in the, the valley of the shadow of death at this moment. Speak to them, show them thy leading and thy guiding that it is the same as ever, even more sure than the day that they first trusted thee. Dear Father, we pray for our children who learn these things now in this time, this good time, this good day of grace for which we thank thee. And for which, dear Father, we ask, please preserve them for the, the evil day. Let these truths not slip from them. Let them be secured and, and rooted in their little hearts that as they grow, they could know that they have a, a sure thing, though the world goes upside down. Dear Father, we pray for the sick, for the suffering. In our midst, there are many. Dear Father, those that we've been praying for a long time, we continue to pray for and lift them up. Those that are young and those that are old that need thy help and thy touch. Dear Father, we pray for our church here in Toronto. We pray for the, the moving of thy spirit, for the, the opening, open ears and the willing hearts, the hands and the feet that will go and will do. Dear Father, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus, trusting our good shepherd. I don't know which is the most well-known uh, parable of Christ, but the comparison of Christ as the Good Shepherd is a picture that I think is <clears throat> central to the gospel message and one that many people are familiar with. There are two passages of, of Scripture, I think, that most people would know by reference, and I'm talking about the broad population, not just Christians. One of them is John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The other reference, I think, that if someone was to ask just as a general survey, would be the 23rd Psalm, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And in those two references, I think we, we find a lot of the gospel contained there, perhaps all of it. There's a, a booklet that the Communications Committee has been reviewing uh, about the nature of God, his, his triune nature. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And as we look into 
the Word. You know, people will rightly say that Trinity is not mentioned in the Bible. It's not a biblical word, and they're exactly right. It's a, uh, a, a Latin word that was created to describe the triunity of God. But the concept of the Trinity is found in Scripture for sure. And even just combining the words that we've read today with the words of the 23rd Psalm, the 23rd Psalm says, The Lord is my shepherd. And Christ here says, I am the good shepherd. There can be no mistaking who the nature of this God-man really was. And he very plainly says, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. As was mentioned in the prayer, sheep are not clever animals. No farmer ever said, come see my trained sheep. In the, in the barnyard, the pig has a university education compared to the sheep. And if you've ever been around um, farm animals, I remember once when I was a youngster, we took care of some people's uh, animals while they were on vacation, and they had, uh, they had goats. And goats are wily compared to sheep. It's no mystery to me why the Lord used the goats as a symbol of the children of the, children of the wicked one. They're tricky and they, uh, they're, they're looking out for number one. But sheep are, are content, it seems, when they're together, when they're, be, when they're unharmed. Um, and they have this unique characteristic of knowing their shepherd's voice, not responding to the voice of a stranger. And I've heard stories about that as well. They must have been among the first domesticated animals of, of man because they're easy to uh, corral, I guess. They, 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 they stay together in a, in a herd. They're not particularly dangerous. Uh, no, no farmer's wife ever shouted out the window, look out, Junior's among the sheep. They're not dangerous animals. Among the horses, you know, that's, that's a danger. Among the pigs, for sure, that's a danger. But among the sheep, the child could lie down and sleep with them and they wouldn't touch him. So they're gentle creatures. And of course, in the face of danger, there needs to be one looking out for them. And Christ gives the example here of the good shepherd versus the hireling. The hireling, of course, is a paid worker. He's there to simply watch over the sheep, but when it comes down to his neck or the sheep, he has no, uh, no trouble turning and running. It's not worth the wages that he receives to risk his life for the sheep. But in those days, the shepherd, his flock was everything to him. It was his source of, of milk and wool, it was his current income and his retirement pension. And the success or failure of the flock and its prosperity or uh, uh, lack directly impacted him. I remember a picture from National Geographic as a, as a young child, seeing a picture that, you know, that iconic magazine had these, these, these photographs every so often that would just... Uh, 
so perfectly summarize a, a, a feeling or a, or a human attitude. And there was, there's one picture that sticks in my mind, and I think it was from Bolivia. There was a young child, perhaps maybe 10 years old, with a, wearing a knit cap and sort of a runny nose, and he was absolutely distraught. His whole face was crumpled and tears were streaming down his face. And it was just a picture of human misery. And the caption underneath the picture uh, written by the photographer was that this, this young boy was a shepherd and uh, he was crossing a road with his sheep and a truck came along and struck a number of his sheep and killed them. They were not just animals and livelihood to him. These were his sheep. And how much more does our, our good shepherd care about what happens to us? I was glad to read later on that, that, that this picture had so impacted people that saw it that there was money raised to, to replace the sheep that had been lost. But you see how helpless sheep are. We often think of ourselves as, as very capable and sophisticated and educated and able to tend to our wants and needs, but really the, the, the picture of the sheep is still a good one for us. I'm embarrassed to say how often, you know, God has worked with me and taught me something, and I've pondered on it and spoken about it, maybe taught it myself, maybe even preached it from the pulpit. And then I find six months, a year later, I've forgotten it. I think, wow, how can I not hang on to this in my mind? Am I really that? Well, I'm one of his sheep, and I think along with those attributes that we've spoken about, I have to also own up to the fact that I'm often dumb, foolish, slow to learn, not ready to see danger. And I'm thankful that I have a good shepherd that cares for me in the way that is described. The sheep don't really know much about, about the shepherd and, and how the shepherd thinks. It's the shepherd that has the wisdom and the foresight to spot the danger and to direct the sheep away from it, but the sheep don't really perhaps even understand what the danger is. Today's modern age is... is intensely individualistic. Unless you can prove it to me, I won't believe it, or unless I, I can first be fully convinced, I won't do it. The sheep don't stop to argue with the shepherd. They simply respond to his voice and to his direction, knowing that there's safety in the voice of the shepherd. But too often, I think, we perhaps toy with danger because we can't see the danger in it. We're oblivious to, to where the danger lies. You know, my, my children like listening to um, the audio Bible and, and, and children's stories. And it's interesting to hear what kind of comes out from some of the inter interpretations of some of these passages of Scripture. And, and the danger that the sheep are subject to is not always obvious. Yes, the wolf, of course, we understand that one. And uh, that the danger is pretty clear. But there's other dangers. There's the dangers of, of rough and rocky terrain where a sheep may fall and into a, into a chasm or break a leg. There's the danger of eating the wrong types of plants that can cause bloat and, and, and kill a sheep as surely as a wolf can. And the shepherd has to be 
uh, on watch as to what sort of pasturage the, uh, the sheep are eating, that they're not going to eat something that's going to be bad for them. There was also, I remember, the description of the, you know, it says in this 23rd Psalm, he leads them by still water, how the shepherd would, would wade out into the stream and set up some boulders to create a still patch of water where the sheep could safely, the young sheep could safely come to the water's edge and drink, where the silt would settle out of the water and the water was clean and pure. The sheep don't know those things. They simply see, oh, here's good water. I'm thirsty. They don't realize what the shepherd is doing and working and how it's all for them. And over time, I realized too that though I don't always understand how the Lord is leading, ultimately is for my benefit. The things that he is doing, ultimately they're for me. And even when I go astray, the fact that he goes out after me to find me and bring me back. He doesn't simply cut his losses and say, well, I've got 99 safe here. What's one sheep among, among so many? He goes out and seeks after that sheep that was lost. There are others whose motives are not so pure. I like to speak to the young people for a moment and encourage them to be careful as to what voices you listen to as you, as you begin your life's journey. There are many thieves and robbers out there that are in it for themselves, that are looking for fame, attention, profit from you. Ask yourself, how many out there actually have your best interest in mind? The best you can find, I'd say, in the world is someone who's got uh, interests that are at least parallel with yours. And then you can perhaps, there's, there's some kind of a, a symbiotic relationship where you can benefit from that. But how many people out there really love you with a sacrificial love that the Good Shepherd has for you? That's willing to take the short end of the stick that you may receive the benefit not many. Your parents, perhaps, would be willing to take loss so that you could gain. But the only other one that I can think of is the Lord. A good friend, perhaps, might as well. There's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. But not many. Not many. So be careful what voices you listen to. There are many thieves and robbers, but there is only one good shepherd. Follow him. He's already proven his love for you. He says the good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. He's done that already. And as that, as that verse says too, and he that has, has, has not, not spared his own son, will he not freely give you all things? If he, if he went to that extent, what else is, is he going to withhold? Nothing. The one thing that was the most precious to him, his son, he didn't withhold. I am the door. There are words that the world stumbles at. The exclusive claims of Jesus Christ, that he is, there's only one door and he's it. 
The world doesn't like that. Much like students in school, they like multiple choice. There's a chance that I might be right somewhere in here. And <clears throat> the idea of there only being one of anything is offensive to the world. You have your truth, I have my truth, there may be other truths out there. Who are you to judge or place limits on me? You know, there was a, I read a post, um, I think it was someone had put it up on LinkedIn or something like that, and it was, a, it was a comment from a pastor who said, the reason that we are seeing a rejection uh, of, of Christianity among the millennial and, and Gen Z, that's uh, the, the current youth, is because the attribute or virtue that they prize more than anything else is individualism. And that is entirely incompatible with Christianity. It's like the sheep who decides he wants to strike out on his own. His chances of survival rapidly plummet alone. The shepherd knows that. That's why he leaves the 90 and 9 to go after the one that's lost. Because that sheep's as good as dead if he waits too long. Individualism, like I said, is something that is that is intensely prized, and people are trying to find themselves and figure out who they are. That's all right, but you better make sure that you got the facts straight. Who you really are is a poor defenseless sheep. You need a good shepherd. You may not like to hear that, but how long would a sheep last in the wild if he thought he was really a lion? That kind of mistaken identity doesn't work. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I think there's a lot of young people that see the things that go along with church, a Sunday of worship, um, the idea of morality, of limits on your, on, your, on your passions and interests. And they figure incorrectly that the Christian life is one of deprivation and that you limit yourself by subjecting yourself to the claims of Christ. You're going to have a less than full life. There was a famous rich man, I don't remember who it was, I think it happened back in England. He had lived an ungodly life, and he was on his deathbed, and he was giving advice to his son. And the, the advice that he gave sounded like it could have come from Oscar Wilde or something like that. He said simply, <clears throat> son, sleep with as many women as you can, and 4% is a good return on your money. That was his advice to his son. Now, it may be true that the young man would have a more varied experience in life with women than one who committed to only one. But there's one experience that he would never have. And that was the deep experience of committing to a single woman in the way that God had designed. A committed marriage relationship 
would never be his if he followed that advice. That is the more abundant life that God has in mind for you. That singular commitment to him, that will cause you to experience a deep relationship. Ask yourself the question. Think back to high school, or for some of you that are currently there, the ones who were always perpet or perpetually dating, switching partners every few months, do you think they have a deeper understanding of relationship, a more, fu a more fulfilled understanding of, of a human relationship by continually switching partners? No, we recognize those people as being shallow of not recognizing the patterns. And it was, I, I, it was almost comical. I remember in high school, these, these ones that were continually falling in love and then being infatuated, and then the infatuation would wear off, then the fights would begin, then they would break up, and then they would sometimes get back together. Or they would go on to someone else, and you think, what a fool. The cycle that this person's going through, and you, you kind of knew what was coming even before it happened. Oh, here he starts again. New girlfriend. I know what the pattern's going to be. And, you know, people used to joke, I wonder how long this one's going to last. Two months? Three? That's what the world does. That kind of amnesia that says, I'll just keep going back to the same thing, thinking the next time around I'm going to find fulfillment. Is that the abundant life? Varied experiences, but all kind of on the same theme. No. In spite of the wealth and, and the opportunities that we have in this world, I just saw a recent headline uh, that the, the, the trending songs, that of course with the internet, big data makes, makes all of these things uh, um, uh, very apparent. You get to see uh, what's popular among the youth of today. And the top songs for the summer were all sad songs. Songs that talked about the difficulty of the human experience and and melancholy. I think you've got everything available. 24-7. The internet puts entertainment that you, you could have never dreamed of 10 years ago at your fingertips. As much as you want, as often as you want. It used to be that there were summer blockbusters, movies that would come out that were geared for the summer. Two or three big blockbuster movies. And once you were done viewing them, that was it. Well, now the cycle's perpetual. The streaming channels have new content that they pay millions and who knows how much for in multiple episodes that you can even binge watch all at once if you're so inclined. Binge watching when I was a kid was to go watch all of the Star Wars trilogy back to back to back. Now, if you can not fall asleep, you probably watch for months, years maybe. I don't know if there's enough hours in the day to watch the content that's, that's produced in a year. Is that the abundant life? Ask yourself, what does the abundant life look like to you? What Scripture presents is a loving shepherd that has withheld nothing for your benefit. And that even the difficulties of life, the things that look like pain and mistakes, are all designed ultimately to benefit you. To form you into the best version of yourself. I remember even as a young person, the times uh, when I, before I was converted, the times I felt best about myself was when I was 
praising God with my whole heart. That was the best version of me. That's when I was least dissatisfied with myself. And I think God has put that within us that we would recognize what that abundant life really looks like. It's a life that is sold out to God that finds its fulfillment and center in Him. As long as you look around to things that you can touch and feel and experience, it'll be like drinking salt water. Just leave you thirsty for more. And the more you drink, the less satisfied you'll be. He designed for you to find fulfillment within Him. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. You can't say that. None of us can. None of us have the power to lay down our life and take it again. That is totally beyond our ability. Some of you know from prayer meeting, the landlord at the building that my, my boss rents for office space in his 70s, early 70s, been in the construction industry his whole life, a competent builder and handyman, doing some work on a second-story deck off the coach house behind his house. He had taken off the stairs to work, and as he was laying in boards, he stepped back, I think, and fell through the hole, down about maybe 10 feet, hit his head on the concrete, suffered a concussion, came to, couldn't speak. They helped him into the ambulance, did an operation the next day, put him under with anesthetic, and then determined there was nothing more. His brain was continuing to swell, and as soon as they tried to remove him from, from anesthetic, last Friday they took him off life support gone. No power to take that life again. That was a one-way door. He didn't wake up that, smor- that morning thinking, well, today's the day. But God had decreed that that day would be his last conscious one. Wouldn't you want to trust a shepherd that not only has the power to lay down his life and take it again, but has the power to give you life. It's said, we have the, one of the ways that we can have the assurance that there is life after death is that if God is who he says he is, you know, he called Abraham his friend. If the eternal God would call a mortal man his friend and has all power in his hands, what God would he be that would let his friend perish forever and would not save him if he could? The answer is pretty obvious. He loves us. He showed us through his son what he can do. That even when death came for his son, that was not the end. It's the same for us. The abundant life is an eternal life. It's not just an abundant life for here. Not just a grab all you can while you can and that's it. God has far far more in store for all of us. 
This life is only a dress rehearsal. And then there is a resurrection. Be ready for that. Trust that good shepherd now. He's already done everything for you. He's the only one that has your interest first and foremost only. I remember, I think it was a, a hymn of Francis Faber. He said, there's, there's, there's two joys in heaven. One, that I am with the Lord. And the other joy is, is his joy that I am there. Think about that. That God would rejoice that we are there with him. What a wonderful shepherd. May the Lord add whatever was lacking to what was said. What a brother is available only through him. We need that simple reminder, don't we? Many times we get distracted, we lose our focus, we take our eyes off the good shepherd and start to wander and get in trouble. We need to stick close to him, and in doing so, we will be close to each other, gathered around him and under his protection. My friend outside of Christ, may the Lord convict you this morning hour that you need to be under, fully under his rod, not associated, not have just nice thoughts about him. You need to enter into him, to, to fully be identified with him, and then experience that joy of going in and going out wherever you go, following his guidance and his direction. May God encourage us that this morning. May we also be encouraged as we hear the, the message in song uh, from the little children, those that are of his kingdom, that we need to be like in order to enter his kingdom. With that, we'd uh, conclude this portion of the service and welcome the children.